Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only and does not replace your own financial, tax, legal, or financial product advice. Have you ever wondered how to be a property developer? Well, today we have the episode for you. Young Rich Lister Andrew Welsh joins us uh, to talk ins and outs of property development from start to finish, the highs and lows, the risk and reward. We're going to thrash it all out today, aren't we, Emily? We are indeed. I'm excited for this episode and I think long-time listeners who are keen to get into property development will be really eager for this one. So let's get into it. Now, Andrew, welcome. It's uh, it's been a while. We've tried to get you on the show numerous times. You're you're a hard man to pin down, but we've uh, we've finally got you. So thanks for joining us. No, thanks, John and Emily. Uh, looking forward to having a chat. And uh, apologies, it's been a, a crazy period as as everyone would have uh, been through in the property market in 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 recent times. So great to be uh, to, to be finally on and, and having a chat to you both. Absolutely. So yeah, before we talk property, uh, some of some of you in Melbourne may know Andrew more commonly as a, as a previous Essendon footballer, played 160-odd games with the mighty red and black and turned his hand to development. So, Andrew, while you were playing football, uh, what sparked your interest into property development? Um, look, I was always interested in, in property and I, I generally find most people, regardless of where you are or where you've come from or what you do, has got a general interest in in property one way or another. But um, mine was mine was probably uh, highlighted through some of the connections that I had within the Essendon Footy Club and you know some fantastic people who've been extremely successful in the property industry, whether it's building, property development, um, civil contracting, um, and that sort of opened my eyes to a lot of different areas within the the property industry. Um, rather than just a buying and selling um, general knowledge understanding piece. So um, spent a lot of time working with some, um, you know, free work experience as you do, um, just learning around how good property businesses run and what they look at. Um, and, you know, one week I'd be working in a civil contracting business and having some look at some some work on site. And then, you know, the next week or next month, I'll be, I'll be working with a, a d- domestic builder for some work experience, just understanding what they did. And that gave me a, you know, a really good introduction to, to, to property development um, and, and in particular um, the, the subdivision space out in growth corridors. And was that alongside your football career or was this after or how, how did that sort of unfold in terms of property now being the full-time gig? Yeah, so it was, it was during my playing uh, career, Emily, that I, I really had, first had that you know, really strong inter- interest and you know, thankfully – AFL players really get pushed to look at life after after football um, because it can finish quite quickly, as as a lot of people would know um, through injury or, or form or new contracts. So I was I actually really enjoyed business and really enjoyed property, 
Uh, so for me, I didn't really need to be pushed to go out and you know, look at a career post-football. So everything I did during my career was real work experience-based and, and, and you know, never wanted any you know, money, you know, as little as it may have been, just to go and you know, gain that experience. It was really those offering um, to help accelerate my, my, you know, my knowledge in, in the industry. I started a hire and rental company while I was playing. So I was hiring out portable toilets, temporary fencing, caged bins, site signage to the construction industry that I started with a couple of mates. So I got I got some good input and um, interaction with the property industry while I was still playing. And and with that, once I finished, I, I could really um, nail down into the, the property development space and, and really start growing the, the, the business to what it is today. So there's a constant message that, that keeps appearing with successful people in life, isn't there, Emily? And, and that is uh, we, we drop our ego and we, we go and volunteer and, and follow people around that have done it better than us or have done something before us so we can learn off them and, and don't expect to be paid when we start doing something. It's a really strong message um, to hear and I'm glad you've said that because it does uh, take a lot of initiative to be able to go and, and put your hand up and say, look, can I follow you around for a day or a week? So um, hats off to you for that. But um, I suppose going back further, did you always have an entrepreneurial mind or was it just something that when you started doing it, it it raised your interest? Um, No, I think I've probably always had probably more of a general interest in business and looking at opportunities and meeting new people and, um, you know, and, and that's why you know, I wasn't fantastic at school because sticking to one thing for the whole time sort of, you know, I would, I would sway quite easily. And then post, you know, post, post school and in my football career, I wasn't really interested in doing um, any one core course because I knew that I would sway after a few months of that because I get bored. I understand I get bored and want to look at something else. And I think the the entrepreneurial flair or interest in business can really be encapsulated within land. Um, land development because you're dealing with marketing in one meeting, you're dealing with product design in the next meeting, the next meeting you're talking about finance and structures, the next meeting you're talking about planning, the next meeting you're talking about engineering. So for me, it ticked all those boxes of, of interest and doesn't allow me to get bored to think around, okay, well, what's what's next? Um, you know, there's different issues and items and opportunities that come up within every day and every meeting um, that you sit in within the property industry. So what was the journey for you then? Obviously, you've, you've gone out and getting experience and exposure to all these different fields that play into the idea of property development, particularly on a large scale. What was the actual journey from going and doing that experience and learning to then uh, eventually having your own company? Um, was it, did you actually work in a pay capacity for someone in the interim or was it let's gather all the info and go from the start, throw everything in at once? How, what did that look like for you? Yeah, so the, the first site, um, that we secured was a, a, a rezone of a, of a of a use out in a farm a farm use into residential. So, you know that 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 was really um, you know one of the first projects that got off the ground and um, and and although not not small in in size, um, once that site was rezoned, it gave the ability for me to go through and secure further land um, parcels you know in the area of Thornhill Park, which is in Melbourne's west, and I would go through and pick up sort of thirty or 40 acre blocks that sort of adjoined that that major rezone area so um there was a period of probably three or four years post playing footy that i was you know it was you know working on that i was had my hire company i was doing stuff in the media 
I was playing local footy to try and get some, you know, some extra income. Um, so I, 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 I wasn't home much, but it gave me the ability to learn that that end-to-end of property development. And as those projects started to grow, um, obviously the, the capacity to look at other projects in other areas obviously grew with that um, as well. This might be a, quite a vague question, uh, Welshy, but did, did you actually know what you were doing when <laughs> when you bought that first site? It like that was obviously the next progression. But I, I think the the old term "fake it till you make it." Sometimes you just got to have a go and see what happens. Um, did, did you have enough experience to think, "Yeah, I, I really know what I'm doing here," or was there a lot of uncertainty? No, I, I think you know within within the team there was um, there was some some great knowledge with, with within the team. Um, the consultant base um, that were engaged were really leaders of industry. So, you know, you know, the best engineers were engaged, the best planners were engaged, the best urban designers were engaged um, to make sure that you know whatever was deficient within 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 our team was made up by that pure you know experience, and and that comes at a cost, and hence you know working so many jobs through that period to make sure that. You know, things were always paid. Had business businesses needed to be ran, um, needed to have you know keep paying the mortgage. Um, all of these items um, needed to happen. Why you know why why the rezone of that first project was in, in place? But but within that, it, it's it's given me the ability to learn everything from buying a farm and sitting down with farmers and negotiating the actual purchase of a farm, right through to you know titling a lot on the site, right through to Working through the construction of the dwelling and handing over the keys to the home, the homeowner at the end of that process. So it gave me, you know, although you know the back was against the wall and you know, you, you you don't sleep much. Um, property development is a, you know, it's not just an all-in game from a financial perspective. It's it's an all-in lifestyle piece that that you need to relish in. That it's not clock off at five o'clock and and think nothing's going to come up at six o'clock and you can deal with it the next day. Um, so, so those those learnings and enjoyment of the challenge was really born from those those earlier days of having to, you know, roll the sleeves up and learn off those close to me and those within the team and 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 let the experts who we engage and paid you know the right money to be experts learn off them throughout that journey as well. There's a phrase, Andrew, I've come across recently that says, if you can't see it, you can't be it. And I think it's so important to have mentors in place and people that have been where you want to go. Is there a particular mentor in the space or even just in business in general that you look to, whether that be on a one-to-one basis or just more broadly, um, that sort of you take uh, motivation from or insight from? Um, I don't have any one particular mentor that I, you know, bounce things off or, or catch up or um, discuss any any one item, I suppose. You know, like to my earlier comment, I'm one that will reach out to, to people that I think may have worked through different scenarios that I'm having to work through with, with you know, within business or life or whatever it may be. Yeah, I, I find having, you know, people to bounce off um, that necessarily – you know, haven't come to me to try and be a friend. I've actually reached out to them and and you know, you know, hit hit them up and said, I oh, you know, just keen to have a catch up for half an hour, coffee, and talk through you know different challenges that I'm having with a, a project or um or you know a different a different region that, that I'm I'm moving within and and I generally find most people um are quite happy to 
catch up for half an hour and share some of their knowledge and you know and and have open you know discussions around really wanting to to help um i understand in saying that that you know i've I've obviously had a, a career that people have followed so it is sometimes easier for people to you know have the time or create the time to have those conversations so i'm not saying that it's it's easy to get that time but but i still put myself in a position to ask people if, if, if they do and, and and I have people that just say no because they're just busy or don't really see any real need to catch up with me, which is totally fine. But, but I'll, I'll never stop doing that even though the business is going well and um, I'll still be – I still reach out to people who, who I think I can, you know, gain some knowledge off and, and, and help with, with, with my property journey. Yeah, awesome. So just looking at the last few years in the property market or residential property markets around the country, we've, we've seen some massive growth and, and the land values in particular have grown astronomically. Uh, how, how much in the early days was the market growth a, a factor in your forecasting versus just sweat equity and knowing that, okay, I buy it for X amount, uh, it's going to cost this amount in civil and this, these are my holding costs and this is what I'm going to chop the blocks up and sell them for. Um, yeah, so I, I always get concerned um, when people talk around revenue escalation and, and you know, making escalation the key of a project surviving um, because you're only really buying on the back of the upside rather than looking at the, the merit of a, a development on, on the downside. Um, We've been fortunate as an industry that property markets have been extremely strong in, 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 in recent times, but it's always in, well, what are you buying the site for under the right structure um, and settlement timeframe to allow you the shortest delivery programs so you're not holding the land for um, any longer than, than you need to. So we, we stay super conservative on our revenues. Um, we we, we overcost. Um, our costings um, to make sure if that project stacks up from that level um, with some timing nuances that you know if the market really does get challenging that we've brought it in the right the right structured way to be able to work through any any ebbs and flows of a market and if it the market goes up well fantastic there's even more there at the end of the project but if the market's hard which which they are hard um, you know the project can still stand up on its own two feet. Would you say that that's a common mistake that, um, you know, first-time property investors in terms of development can make is not actually forecasting correctly or not having enough buffer around what they're doing? Yeah, I, I think so, Emily, and I think probably the time frame of delivering the item, whether it's a, whether it's a townhouse development or a subdivision, I think, I think people seriously underestimate the time that, this, that they take. Um, and the, and the challenge is that one little planning item could blow your program out six months, which really would have a big impact on your overall feasibility. So I think, uh, I think you know, people always be aspirational in thinking what they can achieve for the price of that, that unit. Um, but I, I don't know if, if people factor in the really the challenge of time in their feasibilities when looking at development opportunity. If, if, if something happens and they need to down tools for six months until something else is approved to get them going again. I've seen, you know, really can can impact a, a lot of projects. Okay, we're going to take a break and we're going to come back and delve a little bit deeper into this exact topic. 
If you're after personal financial advice, don't get it from a podcast. If you would like help based on your own personal situation, head over to sortyourmoneyout.com. Click get help and we'd be happy to introduce you to one of our trusted advisors. We also have a panel of trusted mortgage brokers we can connect you with to get you into your first home, an investment property purchase, or to review your current loan if you don't have a broker. Our panel of advisors, mortgage brokers, and accountants work with clients all over Australia so they can connect with you wherever you are. That's sortyourmoneyout.com and click get help. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. So just on that, Andrew is speaking about uh, time frames and times blowing out. Uh, pretty obvious question, but how important is relationship with counsel? Oh, look, it's it's, uh, it's critical um, for for mine, um, and and we, you know, all of all of my team tries to build really strong relationships with counsel because end of the day they've got they've got an outcome that they need to be seeing from within their role within the council or shire. Um, and we've got you know, an outcome that we want to that we want to see from the opportunity that we've seen around you know, bringing a new community into that council, and and they're never all aligned. Um, but if you go in from day one with a combative approach as a developer um, and try and ram an outcome um, down council's throat, it's not building your relationship off to be able to try and find that right balance that meets both organisations. Um, Best best outcome, and and we found that the shires, the you know, councils that we work within, are super responsive. If you, if you can actually take them on that that journey around what you're actually trying to achieve and how it's how we've done it in the past is something that you know is of great benefit to us. We're not we're not walking in probably trying to sell this you know futuristic vision around what what these new subdivisions are going to look like. We can actually demonstrate projects that we've done as a business extremely well and and show them. The completed product um, 
for what we're trying to implement into that market that may have not seen that type of built form before, may not have seen that type of park design before, um, and actually showing them how it operates in a in a real actual form rather than a fantasy form, which which they would probably get a lot with some of the the uh, the 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 development opportunities that I'm sure people try and put put in front of them at times. Um, Andrew, I'd love to touch on the idea of creating new communities because a lot of the you know property developers who are doing large scale development they are potentially in greenfields estates their farmland that's being rezoned there it's an idea of a new community coming together with a new central hub um, and from what I can see you've been part of quite a few of those what would you say is most critical in creating those new community identities and do you consult someone around that or is that partly you as a, a, the team that helps bring that together, um, sort of all the elements that actually create a new community? Yeah, look, it, it's it's a good question because, um, you know, especially in, in my space, it is greenfield development growth areas. So uh, where I am and, and looking at opportunities any one time, there is not much around it because it is farmland and, and, and it's not that I've got this supervision that I look through things that people can't see. It's not. It's not that at all. It's identifying areas that I think there's going to be growth in in, in population, um, and then and then looking at it from a design perspective around bringing in the best urban designers that know, you know, what are those early stages of a of a of a development need to look like to be able to create that real community feel, and it's not. It's not filling it with investors and having you know, a, you know, a big investment market in, in the early stages of your project um, from, a, from a delivery perspective. It's making sure that um, you know, you've got that good balance of owner occupies in. You, you make sure your parks are done to a, a really high quality um, so people can start hanging out in those areas early on. But it really is forecasting where that population growth is going to come into the new growth areas and then bringing the experts in around the urban design and those real key factors around um, you know, making a community thrive from, from day one. You can't, can't wait to the end of the project. Um, you need to be having that real community integration from, from the very first stage. Mm. Yeah. yeah, and I've, I've definitely witnessed that firsthand out at Thornhill Park, which is obviously one of your early developments. Um, talking lending, like mums and dads, first-time investors trying to, to get into the markets for the first time, lending is a massive issue on a small scale. How does it go on a larger scale for you? Is it, is it, is it just having a conversation with the big four? Is it going to private equity? Uh, how, how does that roll? Is it a combination of both? Yeah, it, it, is, it is, John. It's, and that's you know, working out, uh, you know, as I said earlier, around identifying the right sites but then having the right structures in place because – um, you know, some sites might be five years away from being able to be developable. So you need to make sure that you're, you're buying structures right around your settlement terms and so forth. Um, I, I'm, you know, I've been thankful. I've worked with a company um, called Banner Asset Management, also OCP Asia. I've worked with both of those organisations for oh, the best part of 10, 10 years now. Um, and they're not in your first, you know, big four banking organisations here in the country. But I have, you know, and you know, work with, the, the, the big fours as well. So it is um, having that understanding of a project timeframe and then finding the right finance partner um, to, to come on that, that journey with you. And like I said, the finance partners that I've, I've been involved with and are involved with, they've got a real understanding of development as well because they know that it's we set a plan and then it's about um, risk management 
and and dealing with issues that come up in property development on a project every single day that you need to be solving for. It's not a get a permit and then you set and forget. Um, they they understand the nuances and challenges throughout the development and 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 at times you know in our conversations help solve those challenges as as well from their development experience. So it really is you know financing partners that have got you know, strong two-way knowledge of the development industry and not going out and ch- chasing the cheapest rate across the board that doesn't allow you to work through the challenges of a project when when they may arise. No, most definitely. Um, you touched on just before about not wanting to have uh, new estates and new communities as Investorville and try to make it, I guess, inclusive. And I know uh, off-air, John and I were talking about the risk of and a new area becoming really investor heavy because it's attractive, you know, land prices and then building something new and then obviously a new property with all the depreciation and tax benefits that come with that. Is there any way that you can, to a degree, dictate who can buy into an estate? Like, are there rules that you can have around that? And to what extent can that be? I know there's some rules around landscaping and colours and approval and things like that, but can you actually have rules around who can buy into these sorts of estates? Oh, look, yeah, it's, it, it is difficult and you don't want to exclude any anyone really from any of your communities, but that's where it comes down to the the sellers, um, the, the, the group that's selling your project to really know who those potential buyers are because, because you know, invest, investors are critical to, to projects. They're critical to you know, making sure that there is availability for people to rent within your communities into the future. Um, so, so, so by no means do we put rules and regulations in around no investment opportunities because they are critical to helping the overall community grow through through rental, um, people looking for rentals. Um, but, but, but the salespeople need to manage that um, and, and work out, you know, what – what percent per stage is 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 really acceptable, so we don't lose that community fabric. Um, but also, from an investor perspective, they'll actually get increased rent over the journey because it's not all flooded with just investor that they're chasing. You know, just a rental income, which will only be a race to the bottom. Mm, that's a, that's an awesome point. It's a it's a fine balance, isn't it? Because fundamentally, there's a shortage of housing in Australia, uh, either for buyers or for for someone trying to just simply have a roof over their head through renting. So, to be able to provide that for someone is fulfilling, but not at the expense of your total community. What um, would be maybe your three biggest learnings in the past 10 odd years of development? What, what are the takeaways for you? If you were to, to talk to a, a budding developer coming through for the first time, what would be your three takeaways? Three takeaways? Um, well, there's probably quite a long list. I probably, and it's not just this industry, but I've found it's quite, quite pertinent is there's never a silly question. Um, and I'm, I'm probably the driver in, in a lot of meetings around fleshing out some silly questions because what, what you have is so many people that are fantastic at their own discipline, um, but they don't understand the full commercials of the whole project and the requirement that you're trying to achieve. So for, for my team, it's about promoting those questions because you'll see some extremely experienced men and women in their particular role as a planner or an engineer that you'll ask a question to that you think they would know um, they actually don't and no one in that room knows the answer to what is a really simple um, question and answer that I'll, I would expect um, the other one is like re- relationships be really strong in the relationships of your 
give you your greater your team, your consultant team, um, and and allow them to have the voice, you know, within the room, within a meeting, to be the experts, um, because the relationships help you get through the daily day um, items that do come up within a within a project, and probably and you know, the third one would be, you know, always be open to continuing to learn, um, regardless of how successful or, or not you think you are or you aren't continue to be open to learning and talking to new people and you know you might pick one little piece of from a conversation or an idea you've seen out of the new project that you might not realize you've actually picked that little bit out at that point in time but in three months something will come up and you're like well wow, i was glad i went out and had a look at that new project just to see what it's like because i've I know how to solve this problem that I didn't even know I needed to solve for because I went out and learnt around what this new idea that a new developer or a developer was doing. So um, always be open to, to, to learning, you know, no, no matter how successful or not you think you are, you're right. I think that third point is really, really key because sometimes we can be a bit guilty of thinking that we know enough, not that we know it all, but we know enough, you know, to yeah. get by and what, what else could I possibly learn that is going to influence or help me? So having an open mind and being open to learning opportunities, like literally there's no age cap on that. It's like forever, lifelong learning is so important. Andrew, I'd love to hear what's in store for you. What What are you most looking forward to at the moment? What projects are you working on and what does the sort of future hold in, in your company? Yeah, so we, we've, we've been, um, you know, really strong in recent times about growing the, you know, the portfolio in different markets. So whether it be regional Victoria, South Australia, Southeast Queensland, um, and, and doing that through, you know, different ways than just having to go out and buy your own farm and develop it out yourself. So, you know, partnerships with landowners has been, you know, a really big focus for us where, you know, farmers or landowners have got properties in in great areas that have got the ability to be rezoned. They understand the journey and they understand that's the best way to maximise the return for their site. So really partnering up with with landowners to help them deliver their their farms in in, in new areas. yeah, without having to go all into one project and putting all our capital into a new market, into a project. It's about, you know, building those relationships with, with farmers and, and, and doing that, that work for them. Um, but we have, you've got sites, you know, in, in South Australia that's you know, performing extremely well. A couple of projects, um, you know, development partners on up in, in southeast Queensland, which is a couple of thousand lots. Um, and then obviously our, our backyard in, in Victoria, we've got some exciting projects coming up over the next uh, the next couple of years. So um, I suppose more on, a, a again, an investor level to say, well, okay, I'll buy something today in, in 10 years' time. Hopefully it's worth more than what I what I paid for it. How, how do you monitor markets around the country and say, well, okay, the land price in Queensland has, has already gone too high. We're, we're not going to look there. We're going to look in South Australia, for example. I'm a bit of a property geek um, around what I do in my downtime is I actually just look at property articles. Um, you know, people watch Stan or Netflix or do whatever, um, go to concerts. I just enjoy looking at, you know, you know, different articles that might come through things like LinkedIn or stuff that I see post through EDMs. Um, I love, you know, realestate.com and just, you know, putting on the map and just looking at all new areas that I think, you know, at a point in time, population growth will expand to them. Um, so, you know, that's that's sort of what I do in my downtime is still property-based. Um, but but that, but that's where, you know, we've been quite successful in looking at areas that 
people go, oh, we should be looking in this region now, but we would have already gone through and had a you know a good presence and had some good conversations with landowners through those areas um, well before you know others have because we're you know on the owner of the business it's a private business we can be a lot more nimble around how we go and you know attack new areas of opportunity. Um, there's there's no big long process that needs to be agreed to to go and start entering into a new market. We just we like something and we jump on a plane and go there, or we jump in a car and drive up the road the next day. Mm. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, and I know the property nerds are probably nodding along going, yes, we also, you we know, scrollrealestate.com yeah. maps and we, that's yeah. what I do in my spare time. Or my, my new one is scrolling the Airbnb maps to see where the Airbnbs are lacking. Going that's through. another one. Yeah, it's uh, good. It's good fun. I like it. I like it. <laughs> Andrew, just in closing, are there any final words of advice to aspiring property developers that you think they should should hear? Um, oh, look, I... I I think always prepare for the bad um, and, and, and plan for the worst case, knowing if that's your baseline, then there's nothing but, but upside. Um, don't, don't fall in the trap of making a feasibility work because you want, you want it to work because it, it, it won't more, more often than not. Um, and that for me, the, the property development isn't a, a job you clock off on. Um, it's something you really need to be passionate about um, and you really need to, to enjoy all areas of, 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 of property development, in my view, to, to be you know, really su- successful um, in it for, for a long time. That's good. Uh, I mean, I've got three real takeaways uh, and, and listeners have probably got hundreds uh, from listening. It's been, been awesome. But I think, number one, team of people. Have a great team of people around you. Um, it, you don't have to be an expert in all areas, just outsource that to someone that's far more experienced in that space. Um, keep learning and listening and, and that doesn't matter how old you are, you never stop uh, learning and, and in the property space, we talk about it all the time, it's about the research and understanding the numbers and as you mentioned just before, factoring in the worst case scenarios and, and uh, just having a strategy that's clear and concise. So yeah, there's, uh, it, it just keeps popping up those same things in in whether it be in business or in life uh that it's a real common thread among successful people but uh, i suppose uh, in finishing you're around 40 years of age mate what um there's a lot of work and and age left to to go in this journey and some would say you're you're pretty successful already uh how do you how do you stay motivated to say right what's the next plan over the 30 years um i suppose it's probably yeah from a from a professional sporting environment it's probably in i think it's just ingrained in me um to you know just to continue to work and continue to enjoy. And I love, I love building my team. Um, I love seeing promotions internally within the team. And, and, you know, and the more that my business grows, the more, you know, I have the ability to, you know, to sit out ahead of the business and help grow that portfolio. And um, because, you know, let's be honest, you think that at a point in time, that drive because of age will, will drop away. Um, but, but I want to make sure that, you know, while the drive is there and it's still got many years ahead, I can, I can tell you of drive that, um, that I've got younger people coming through with the energy to make sure that that drive's instilled in the business. Um, but I, I guarantee you, John, I'm, I'm not going to be one of those ones that sits on the sidelines and pops their head in, you know, one day a, a year into the organisation, into the future. I'm, uh, I, I enjoy the industry. I enjoy the people I work with and, um, 
and uh, and uh, and I enjoy seeing them be successful in their in what they do as well. Awesome, love it, Andrew. I've learned so much from today's episode. Thank you so much for joining us. I really appreciated all your insights, and um, I know that this will be an episode that gets a lot of listen. I'm sure from from our community in terms of uh, learning about property development and learning about your journey. So thank you so much for being giving of your time and insights. Um, it's been a pleasure. No dramas. Thanks, Emily and John. Cheers. We acknowledge the dark and young people, traditional custodians of the land on which our studio sits, and pay respect to their elders, past and present. We extend that respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples who may listen to our podcast. Taking your property journey to the next level starts with education. That's why we make this podcast, but we've also created online courses to equip you with the knowledge you need to take the next steps. I've created the Solvair Online Academy, open to both first home buyers and seasoned investors, where I share my tips and experience from 20 years in the property space. And if you're a first home buyer, I have the course just for you. Everything from pre-approval all the way through into your settlement and everything in between. How to place an offer, how to bid at auction, what to even look for at an open home and what questions to ask the agents. It's all covered in my online course. Follow the links in the show notes to sign up and get started today. This podcast is for education and entertainment purposes. Any advice is general financial advice only, which does not take into account your objectives, financial situation, or needs. Because of that, you should consider if the advice is appropriate to you and your needs before acting on the information. If you do choose to buy a financial product, read the product disclosure statement and obtain appropriate financial advice tailored to your needs. Simo Interactive, Proprietary Limited, the publisher of the podcast, is an authorized representative of Money Sherpa, Proprietary Limited, which holds financial services license 451289. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.